Welcome everybody to the broadcast today. We're excited about this time of Passion Week 2020. <clears throat> I have to say though, uh, this is the first Easter I think I've ever not been in church with fellow believers. I think that uh, there may have been one or two in the past where I couldn't make it or something and usually I'm preaching uh, but this year's a unique situation as this coronavirus is uh, literally ravaging the world, literally. I mean, uh, it, it is not a light thing, partner. It, this thing is killing folk. And uh, so we want to be in prayer. <clears throat> the Lord laid on my heart several weeks ago uh, at the beginning of this situation. And one, one of my prayers, and very strongly, is that when this is over, when this crisis is done, when this calamity is overpassed, as the Bible says, my prayer is that Christians who have neglected the church, who have left the church for whatever reason, doesn't really matter the reason because the Bible says, the Lord tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Don't you realize that's a negative connotation? In the last days, people will leave the local church. They'll try to do it all by TV. Uh, but it's disobedience to the Lord. And so we pray that when this crisis is overpassed, and we're on the other side of it in victory, I'm believing that hundreds of thousands of believers will flock back to a local church and begin to support the work of God. Because the work of God... Even though God reaches many, many, many people uh, through television pastors, and I'm not opposed to that, and, and I'm on television here in northern Michigan, it's a great thing, it's a wonderful thing, as a supplement to your gathering together every week in your local congregation. God works through the local church, and a real disciple will have a local church. I mean, if you're following Christ and not just inviting Him to follow your plan, you will do what God told you to do. And we're believing because it is part of the problem. Part of the American problem are the Christians who have left the local church. We're just believing that hundreds of thousands of them are going to flock back when this calamity is done, and we will once again begin to lift up the name of Jesus in this country as never before. And if you notice something about those TV guys, most of them have a church. And if there wasn't anybody in the congregation, after a while they would fizzle out broadcasting over the internet. Now I'm just going to be honest with you. No, God's people, God's remnant have always assembled together and that's the command of our Lord so that's one thing that we're believing for we're also believing during this time that every single Christian myself included will take the time of introspection as the Holy Spirit shines heaven's searchlight on our hearts and we begin to make corrections in our lives I say it that way but really the Holy Spirit has to make those corrections in us that will cause us to walk closer to Jesus, cause us to walk in more holiness,
and in more righteousness. Praise God. Today I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about the fact that Christ conquered sin and death. And, and you know, this Friday coming up, the 10th of April, is Good Friday. And it's the day that our Lord was crucified on the cross. And that is where He paid the penalty for our sins and He broke the power of sin over us. And basically our redemption can be capsulated in this. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And in God's theological mind, if you will, if I could phrase it that way, these three events are one and the same. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was on the cross where Christ paid the price for our sin debt that we owed God, but we could never pay. But Jesus paid it. Amen? And that was done when He shed His blood on the cross. He was the perfect sacrifice, typified by all of the Levitical sacrifices of the temple that were offered. It was a picture of what Messiah would do when He came. Amen. And then when Jesus was buried, it was a symbol, a symbol of the old dying out. The old covenant. And in our case, in New Testament Christianity, the, new, the old man, our old Adamic nature, our old flesh nature dies out. And we are risen with Christ, the Bible says in Romans 6, into newness of life. So that now we can live pleasing unto the Lord because of what Jesus did at the cross. And there's much, much more to it than that. It was in the, the grave where Jesus went down and took the keys of death held in the grave from Satan. Hallelujah. And reclaimed authority that mankind lost in the fall. But we're not going to go all into that today. But we're going to talk a lot about the resurrection. Because Friday was one thing. And the enemies of the Lord thought they had it. Well, they thought they beat Him. But Sunday's coming. Hallelujah to God. I want to tell you that uh, in this old world today. We're, we're in Friday right now in the darkness of this pestilence that's covering the globe. The violence, uh, the wars and rumors of wars and all these things that are taking place uh, in the world today. All these different groups of people who are pushing their agendas that are ungodly. It's your day now. It's Friday. But Sunday's coming. Hallelujah to God in the Lamb forever. Sunday's coming when the righteous will rise and the unrighteous will face judgment. Oh, you might as well enjoy yourself now. If you're hell-bent on not receiving Jesus Christ, you might as well live it up and have a big time because this is your hour. But the hour's coming. And you will have to give account for why you did not receive Jesus. And we move on into this resurrection. And it, the resurrection of Christ literally exploded onto the scene. And it destroyed the finality of death. Jesus Christ's triumph over death and hell is the crowning truth of Christianity. And I want you to understand that. 
the bedrock of the Christian faith, the foundation of the Christian faith, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And I'm sorry to have to tell you, but it's not all about you. Christianity is not just a nice collection of verses that will help you to live a better life. It's important to live a good life, and God definitely cares about that and wants to help you. But Christianity is, in its essence, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. By rising from the dead, Jesus became the Prince of Life and Death. He took control. He is both the conqueror of sin, and He is the ruler of eternity. In Matthew 28, 6, we read this. He is not here, for He is risen. This was the announcement of the angel that day at the tomb, when they came running to see. He's not here, He is risen. And he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. Jesus was the first fruits of, of uh, resurrection. Let's read 1 Corinthians also, chapter 15, verses 20 and 21. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Verse 21, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead and the resurrection sing, uh, signaled to the world a couple of things. First of all, it signal, signaled to the world that there would be a great harvest of souls. You know, Jesus rose all, uh, 2,000 years ago, and ever since his resurrection and ascension back to heaven, the church has grown by leaps and bounds. You can't keep it down. You can't stop the growth. In China, they have persecuted and tortured and murdered Christians, but the church is stronger and larger underground in China today than it's ever been before in all of its history. Jesus said it. He said, I will have a church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That, the resurrection signaled that to the world. God was literally saying, in effect, He was saying, I will have a people. I will have children. They will worship me. They will obey me. They will go out and impact the world. There's never been a Christian who's called to hide in a cave or in a house, if you will, in 2020. Never. A real Christian has evangelistic fire on the inside of them that they've got to share their faith. They've got to get souls saved from hell by introducing them to Jesus. I'm talking about the real Christianity. America has had a gospel light Christianity. And somehow, sadly, through all of the watering down of the truth of Scripture so as not to offend people, we have lost the power of the Scripture and we've lost the anointing of the Holy Ghost in many of our churches today. Not all, thank God, but in far too many. And the second thing it will signal is that more resurrections will follow. Amen? That's what Dr. Lester Summerall said one time. I heard him say, you know, Jesus' resurrection was just the first fruits. There is more to come. Hallelujah. And I could, you know, I, I would like to be a fly on the wall to see the look on Satan's face 
every time somebody prays through and gets born again and determines to follow Jesus, <laughs> he just knows he's lost another one. Praise God. And God uses, this is the amazing thing, God uses you and I to do that. God hasn't come down here walking around preaching the Word. He uses you to preach the Word. He uses me to preach the Word. He wants to use every Christian to preach the Word. Hallelujah. Stop hiding out. Stop putting your light under a bushel and begin to preach this everlasting gospel. And churches, please, gospel light has starved the people. I mean light, L-I-T-E. A watered-down version. And I heard, I've heard a few pastors lately start preaching about this church attendance issue, and it's time somebody says something. You call yourself a Christian and you got you a Bible, you know what's right from wrong. Get yourself in church. Serve the Lord with all of your heart. Life is short. Myself, personally, I don't want to take any chances of being found wanting when I stand before Him. Hallelujah. Do what the Word of God says for you to do. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the beginning of everlasting life. And I'm going to read this from 1 Corinthians 15, but before I do, I want to tell you this. <clears throat> you don't get eternal life when you die. You get eternal life the moment you're born again. The Bible says that eternal life resides on the inside of every one of us. We have eternal life right now. We are never dying souls right now. We are redeemed right now if you've accepted Christ. And you know, that's another thing the Holy Spirit just corrected me there. Let's say it this way, if you've received Christ. Jesus is not looking for your or my acceptance. Can I get an amen? Receive Christ. Do it now. Do it today. And everlasting eternal life will beat within your breast and in your heart today. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, 23 says this, For as in Adam all die. <clears throat> and that's the, the reason, you know, they died spiritually, just like Adam and Eve did. When Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't fall down physically dead, did they? But they died spiritually, and eventually they died physically. If Adam and Eve wouldn't have sinned in the garden those many, many years ago, millennia ago, there would be no physical death for human beings. If they would have obeyed the Lord and walked with God and did what He told them to do, there would be no death and every one of us would live forever on the earth right now because that's the way that God originally designed it. <clears throat> for as in Adam all die and all are spiritually dead, so in Christ all shall be made alive. That's your answer, sir, right there. And this is one thing that, <clears throat> you know, every Easter, a, a lot of people, you know, usually go to church and they hear the gospel. I hope. I hope they don't hear a book report. I hope they don't hear a motivational talk. I hope they hear the gospel. But the only way that you can live, and I mean really live, life and life more abundant, is to follow Jesus. 
And so many people today have the wrong idea of what it means to follow Christ. Jesus taught his disciples all of these things before he ever got to uh, this past Sunday. Yesterday was Palm Sunday, his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. Before that, he taught them all. This is more than just attending church. It's more than just reading scrolls. It's more, it's a whole lifestyle change that the Holy Spirit of God will bring into our lives. This is what Easter represents. Hallelujah. For as in Adam all die, <clears throat> even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. Life is restored to everyone who accepts Jesus as Savior. We are stamped with the seal of death when we're away from Christ. That's what you've got to understand. If, if you're away from Christ today, if, if you don't know the Lord, if you haven't given Him your heart and asked Him to come in and wash away your sins and guide and lead your life, if, if you're in that condition, death is stamped on you. Death has sealed you. And even though you are an eternal being and will one day rise to stand before Him, you will be condemned to death for all of eternity. And death doesn't mean cessation. I don't believe the soul will ever die. Jesus taught that, and we're not going to go into that today. He taught that the soul would live forever either in heaven or in hell. You can look at the blind man and the, and the beggar. Or, I mean, you can look at the beggar and the rich man in the Word of God. I don't remember. I think it's Luke 12, Luke 15, something like that. I don't remember, but I don't have it written down here. But he was clear about what, what happens after death. But you'll die spiritually forever. And death means separation from God. It doesn't mean cessation of existence. And so today if you're walking and, and, and walking through life and death is stamped on you, you are destined to never, ever, ever, ever be in the presence of God except for the judgment. And the Bible describes that as torment. The Bible describes that as horror. And the list goes on and on. Thirdly, when Jesus rose from the dead, His resurrection defeated our enemies. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 24 and 25 now. Then comes the end when He delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when He puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power, for He must reign till He has put all enemies under His feet. Jesus came with a task, and that task was to defeat sin and death. He arose from the dead first. He was the firstfruits. Believers in Him will follow. And this is all part of that plan of taking mankind back to its original state in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Do you know why we have Bible prophecy? And I'm going to really simplify this. this we could actually preach a couple hours just on this itself. But <clears throat> giving you no background, but just putting it out there for you, it's this. God has prophesied the way that He's going to take His kingdom and reestablish it as he wanted it established in the beginning. 
and there's a there's this cosmic war going on and it manifests itself in our physical reality today on the earth between good and evil and between light and darkness and so we have prophecy so that we know exactly how God is going to restore this earth into his kingdom as it was originally intended to be. Now this is just a microcosm of an explanation, but I think you get the idea. The whole Christian life, the whole sojourn on planet earth is a sojourn of warfare for the Christian. You know, if you're looking for an easy road, you're not going to find it joining up with Jesus. We are soldiers in His army. We are warriors in His camp. Hallelujah. And we're called, each one of us, not just the fivefold ministry, but each one of us is called to be a warrior for Christ and to bring light into darkness and to bring good where there has been evil. The resurrection guarantees the victory of that. Guarantees your victory and mine. Here's, here's what happened. At the cross, Jesus paid the price for your sins and for mine. And we need to receive Him. It's not automatic. Everybody's just not automatically saved. We have to receive Him. And in that word receive, in the original languages, it means to follow. In other words, you don't get to lead Jesus. You follow Jesus. You don't get to make your plans and ask God to bless them. Get His plan and it's already blessed. Amen? And so, that word believe, when it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It means you believe, you receive what He's offering, you follow Him, you obey Him. Huh? Come on, that'll put America back in church. Come on, somebody. That'll cause American Christians to put their beer away. Come on, somebody. Put their wine away. Hallelujah. Put their illicit drugs away. All of these lies that people have told about how grace just covers it. No, God calls us to holy living. Hallelujah. At the cross, Jesus paid our sin debt, which was a debt we could never pay. He also broke the power of sin over our life. So I don't need to stay in bondage, and neither do you. And I don't have to be led by the thoughts of my own mind. Hallelujah. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, the mind which was in Christ Jesus. That's all possible because of the cross. And Jesus was buried, and He took back authority. Glory to God. Later on, he's, he tells how he gives that authority to his church. Glory to God. And then, he was ro he raised from the dead. He he's risen from the dead as an outward thing that God has accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and now the way is open for you and I to be Christians, to be saved, to be born again, to make heaven our eternal home. Hallelujah. And so again, as I said earlier, it's one event, really. Hallelujah to God. Death was actually destroyed at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, but yeah, preacher, but 
People still die today. Christians die, absolutely. The body dies. The soul and the spirit, if you're a Christian, immediately goes to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what the Word of God says. Okay? Death was destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15.26 tells us that the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Now what we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the assurance that one day we will rise. In our, our physical bodies will rise and be reunited with our soul and our spirit. That's what we have in the promise of Jesus' resurrection. Because He lives, I live also, the Scripture says. So death is defeated. And one day humanity will no more die. That will not be manifested on the earth though until Jesus Christ takes the reins of His kingdom once again. He, he reigns now, but He's not here. He reigns through His church right now. You and I. And, and He reigns through prayer. He reigns through the preaching of the gospel. He reigns through the love of the church towards others. And uh, we could list a whole litany of ways in which Jesus is, in fact, reigning today. But the warfare is not over. The warfare has not been accomplished at this point in this dispensation. Now, God is gathering the troops. Amen? He's getting people to Himself to be born again. And He's using you and I to do that. But in reality... Death has already been defeated because when the body of God's people dies, they don't stop existing and they don't stop living. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he said. And he said, if he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he never die. Now that really seems confusing to some people, but when the Holy Spirit anoints it to your heart, you'll understand that what it means is you just step out of this body and walk on off into eternity, praise the Lord, and you never die. I guarantee you, there is a 100% survival rate for every Christ follower that's genuine on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. 100% no death for the child of God. And when we leave this mortal coil and we leave this physical body, we walk over into His presence in eternity forever and forever and forever, never to die again. Praise God. And then we'll be reunited with our physical bodies, but it will be transformed and glorified. And we will be like Jesus. We will be like Jesus. You hear me, church? We will be like Jesus. And that's the wonderful part. Mankind, mankind as a whole, Christian and non-Christian alike, faces three great enemies. Satan, sin, and death. Satan and sin were defeated at Calvary, and death will be completely destroyed at the final resurrection. And then Christ also has sovereign rule over the earth, even right now, today. Okay? He rules today. And it's through His church, but it's deeper than that. It's more than that. Because if the church drops the ball the program of God will still continue on because God will always find someone or some group or some place or some nation that will do His bidding 
Because Christ is 100% sovereignly in charge and in control even of what's going on on planet earth right now. Satan can do nothing except he either has God's permission and God allows it or God is using him in some form or fashion and we don't understand all those things. But when God uses something that the devil is doing, it, he, you know, it's like Joseph and his brothers when Joseph was sold into slavery uh, by his brothers. That was, that was inspired by Satan. I, I, you know, we can all agree on that, I hope. But God turned it around and used it for good. And, and even Joseph, at, towards the end of his life, recognized that. And he told his brothers, what you meant for evil... God meant for good, and He's used it to save many people. And that could even be the case with this coronavirus, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to be truthful. I personally believe this is a selective, limited judgment of God. I also believe it's man-made. We, we cause our own problems so many times. I also believe that this is a test and a trial for every Christian. And the Bible said, Jesus himself said that he reigns on the just and the unjust. And so through this pro time, Christians are going to have problems. But I believe that God will ultimately use this crisis for his good. Hallelujah. I can see much good coming from this. In, in my heart of hearts, I can see so much good coming from this. I can see people who don't know the Lord begin to turn to the Bible for answers because we're living among the pestilences of the last days. Oh, we're living in the, the Matthew 24 birth pangs and even the atmosphere has been changed right now as we get closer and closer to the coming of Christ. So much good can come from this. Belie unbelievers will start looking at the Bible. Unbelievers will start asking their Christian neighbors for answers. Hallelujah. Uh, and, and we can guide them in the Bible. Amen. Because that's where the answers are. I don't have any answers just because I'm a Christian. I have answers because I know where to find them. And it's in the Word of Almighty God. I can see so much good. Because God is in control. He's sovereign. He's providential. He will care for us in the midst of this. Hallelujah. So much good can come from this. I see Christians who just can't wait to win souls as soon as they can be back out among the people again. Hallelujah. I see Christians who have grown cold in their spiritual life and because of that they've left off going to church. They don't go anymore. They, they, they watch TV. They read. Whatever the case might be. But this is going to ch change their life. Uh, this is going to turn them around and they're going to get on fire for God like never before and they're going to show up at the house of God every time the doors are open. Hallelujah. And revival fire. Hoochie Will, will spring up and explode in this nation once again. I believe that Easter 2020 could be a beginning for that. Hallelujah. I believe that the coronavirus could be a beginning for these great changes as God takes what Satan meant for evil and begins to use it for good in the earth today. And why is this possible? 
Because Jesus Christ is not dead. He is alive. He came out of that tomb. He came out of that grave. He rose from the dead. Praise be to God forevermore. And He rules over all the earth. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 27 and 28. For He has put all things under His feet. But when He says all things are put under Him, it is evident that He who put all things under under him is accepted. E-X. C-E-P-T-E-D. In other words, he is in control. He's under no feet. We are all under his feet. We are the body of Christ. Shakala Bahaya. And so, it's a symbol, symbolic language for Jesus rules. You need to say it simply like that. Jesus rules. He rules everything. Now it says in verse 28, When all things are made subject to Him, then the Son Himself will also be subject to Him who put all things under Him, that God may be all in all. That just simply means that the Lord must be given first place in everything. He's the absolute ruler. He's the ultimate ruler. He is the master. He is the mediator. Praise God between God and man. And all of this great mystery which you could really say that death, and you can imagine how the people that looked on that day as Jesus hung there on that cross and shed His blood and died. I mean, this was the one they were looking to. This was their Messiah. They thought He was going to restore Israel's rule in the world. And they thought He was going to restore the great Davidic kingdom that was prophesied to be restored in the Bible. But you see, they had the right, the right person, but the wrong time. First, he had to be the bleeding sacrifice. First, he had to be the one who paid the price for the sins of the human race. And he did that. He did that at the cross. And in his burial. And his resurrection which signified God had accepted that sacrifice. The Bible says when Jesus died on Calvary, the veil was torn from top to bottom. That veil was thick. I don't, I don't remember the figures right now standing here, but it's, it was thick. And it was just like the hand of God reached down and grabbed it at the top and just ripped it open. No men could have ripped it. And the Bible says that X number of oxen X number of oxen couldn't even have ripped it apart. It was so thick and so well built. Because it was built according to the directions of the ultimate ruler, God. But God's hand ripped it in two. Opening up the way for you and I. And now today we can walk in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ by faith. And this is power that has defeated and will defeat in our life. You see, and this is where the dichotomy is so many times for us as followers of Christ, but also for the unsaved world, that you say death is defeated, but people still die. You say sickness is defeated, but people still get sick and die. You say that bondages are broken, but I still struggle with it. On and on we go. Because we have received the down payment. We have received the earnest, the promissory note. We have received 
the, the resurrection of Christ reclaimed his rulership. We walk that out every day toward that point in time at the end when everything is realized in its fullness of potential. So here's the situation. Death is a mystery, but that mystery will be solved once and for all. We will understand all of these things. You know, you, the bondage was broken at Calvary. Why do I still struggle? Why do Christians get cancer? Why do some Christians die of coronavirus? Why do these things happen to us? We love the Lord. We serve God. We believe in Him. Our faith is in Him. And, and he, we believe that He is in control. We believe that He's a ruler. So He's the ultimate ruler. There's no other ruler besides Him. So why do these things happen? This is the great mystery that we live in. It's not just the mystery of death itself. It's the mystery of life also. That we walk through our life and we're bombarded on every hand by these questions that we don't understand. I can give you an example from my own personal life was, you know, there's been time in my life where I had an explosive temper and it caused me great problems in my life. Great problems. And I couldn't understand it because I know and I would pray so many times. I remember praying, God, I know you're in control. I know you have defeated this sin. I know you have... You have banished it at the cross and you have totally demolished the strongholds of hell. I know that. Why do I struggle with this? Why? And the answer that I received is the answer that I've lived by ever since and I've been in almost total freedom from that temper. Every once in a while the flesh will try to rise up again, you know? But the answer is the cross. Lord, I just I trust you. I'm sorry, Lord, I, I, I made a mistake there. Wasn't as bad as the last one, but I, 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 I fell prey to that thing again. Please forgive me. Please wash me in your blood. And Lord, I put my faith and trust in you. Fill me with yourself. And the more of Jesus you have on the inside of you, the less of you you have on the inside of you. And the more that flesh is put under his feet because he's there. He's in his complete rulership. Sin has been defeated and death has been defeated. And we see that from a different perspective. We have to look at all of this from another perspective and not our fleshly, earthy perspective. And it's this. When my body drops, my soul walks on. Hallelujah to God. Death is defeated, but it is a mystery. It is a mystery that will be solved at the last trumpet. Listen to 1 Corinthians 51-53. through 53. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. He's talking here about the rapture of the church. There's going to be a generation of believers that do not die physically. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we 
shall be changed. For this corruptible, this corruptible, what is he talking about? Our bodies. Our bodies must put on incorruption. And this mortal, what is he talking about? Our bodies must put on immortality. And the reason that Christians ha have their share of sickness, and the reason that Jesus said, I reign on the just and the unjust. And so when judgment comes, Christians are affected too. The reason that sometimes we get sick and die is because we live in a fallen body. And we live on a fallen planet earth. And death stalks the whole human race. And death sparks fear in the hearts of men and women. But here's one thing that death is not telling you. He has already been defeated. Death is defeated. Every devil is defeated. Demons are defeated. Satan is defeated. They don't tell you that. They bluff and they blow and they try to get you to believe that they are going to ruin you. But as I said it before, and I'll say it again, <coughs> when my body drops, my soul walks on. My spirit walks on. You have a 100% survival rate, ladies and gentlemen, today, if you are in Christ. Your soul and your spirit do not die. Believers, both living and dead, will be changed. And in that moment, that moment of the rapture, we will receive a resurrection body. It, it occurs in a moment's time. And our mandate is to be ready for that event to take place. And looking at the world scene today, the rapture could take place at any moment. It could take place right now. And we will be changed. Hallelujah. And mortality will put on immortality. Corruption will put on incorruption. And we will walk forever with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But you must be born again to enter into that. Amen. Also, death will be swallowed up in victory. Amen? So in verses 54 and 55 of 1 Corinthians 15, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? Christ is always with us no matter what happens. Death, sting, has been removed. The sting of death no longer exists. Death is still there. He's still hanging around. He's still stalking the human race. Jesus took his stinger and cut it off. Hallelujah. Have you ever heard the expression, you might have heard me say it or someone say, you can't scare a Christian with heaven. Hallelujah. We're going to have to adopt that mentality again in the church like the old Puritans used to have it. 
And the old Pentecostals used to have it. Because we're coming into some days where our faith is going to be tried. Hallelujah. Our obedience to the Lord will be tried. For some, it's being tried right now. With some of the choices and decisions that they've made. That we're going to have to repent and get back into the mentality of, of Jesus. Put on the mind of Christ. And walk through this life understanding that while death for this physical body is imminent, the sting has been removed. And I'll say it again, there is a 100% death survival rate for every born-again Christian. You will never die. Your body will die, or you will be alive for the rapture. But your soul and your spirit the instant that it departs the body. Because Jesus rose from the dead that first resurrection day. He was the first fruits. Amen? Because He lives, we live also. And so we walk from one realm into another and be forever in the presence of the Lord. Amen? There's victory through Jesus Christ. There's victory over sin. There's victory over Satan, and there's victory over death through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 57 says this, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ paid for our victory over Satan, sin, and death. For our victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen? At the cross of Calvary. And when He rose from the dead, it was establishing our justification before God. The, the veil has been rent. The way is open. God has accepted the sacrifice. Jesus is risen, so we are risen with Him also. And as I close, let me touch on that. Paul said, but ye are risen with Christ. And that is something that we have right now. As we are literally seated in the book of Ephesians, it tells us that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. In the realm of authority. In the realm of gospel authority. We are seated with Christ. We are in the heavens. Our hearts are in the heavens. I did a, a, a discipleship moment by that title many years ago. Heart in the heavens. That's where we are positionally right now. And every time we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we're reminded of the fact that one day we will be there personally present, our complete and total selves will be there. Right now, we're walking the earth. Praise God. And I like walking the earth. Hallelujah. I don't, you know, I, I want to be with the Lord. Amen. Everybody wants to be with the Lord. Amen. But I, I have no desire or urgency to get off planet earth today. I mean, that part of me likes being here. So let us take up the mandate of Holy Scriptures and go out and make disciples and do what we're supposed to be doing. Praise God. Don't make the rules up for your own self as you go. Obey the Bible. 
Do what Jesus said. He's our master. See, you're not the master. You're not the leader at your house. You shouldn't be. Jesus is the master. Jesus is the leader. Jesus is the triumphant one. He is the victor and He lets us come on into His victory. Glory to God by faith in what He did at the cross. And the resurrection signaled to the world that there's going to be a great harvest of souls and there's going to be more resurrections to follow. And that is the promise of Scripture that we live in. Satan is defeated. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. And so we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, this Passion Week. As we remember the Passion of our Lord, we celebrate the fact that because of what He did, we can rule and reign with Jesus. And that ruling and reigning is for another time. It's for the heaven time. It's for the eternity time. And here, we are servants of the Master. And we are sons of God as we run this race, as we fight this good fight, as we finish our courses. Let us keep the faith. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time with the people today. Father, thank You for what You have done. I tried to cram 16 weeks worth of messages into one. But Lord, I pray that something that was said or done here today has brought glory to Your name. And I pray that You will touch many hearts. Convict, O Holy Spirit, Convict us of our sin. Lead us to the cross that we may know Christ. That we may receive Christ and be recipients of eternal life today. And for every one of us who have walked with the Lord, oh Lord, please forgive us. Forgive us for doing things our own way. Forgive us for making all our own decisions and asking You to go along and bless it. Father, send us back into the company of saints. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us the desire to do Your will in all things at all times. And we know that that's not impossible because of the blood of Christ. Father, we pray and we ask You to guide us through this crisis and bring us through safely, Lord. And we pray right now for those who are dealing with this coronavirus crisis, we ask for prayer for the doctors and the scientists and the specialists and the leaders that they will quickly be anointed by You to obliterate this curse. And Father, we pray for those who have contracted the virus, Lord God, that You will bring healing, Father, to every one of them in Jesus' name. And we pray for those who have not contracted the virus, that they will not contract it, and that You will put a hedge of protection around their lives. In Jesus' name, as we lift up that name, as we glorify You, we pray for these blessings. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen.